With all this talk of the coronavirus, there's been emphasis placed on social distancing, canceling everything, staying home, and not connecting with one another. And many of us are anxious, lonely, isolated, and struggling. As an artist, I have a unique capability to help. The nature of what I do brings joy, provokes thought, instills hope, and inspires action. And even though we have to keep our distance from one another, I'm working on an art project to help us combat our isolation and uncertainty. You just heard the voice of henna artist Karen Elzaire of Malden sharing about her Healing Hands art project. My name is Osa Schwab, your host for this episode of Culture Matters in Malden. I spoke with Karen on March 26, 2020 over Zoom. We discussed what she thinks being an artist means, particularly during times like what we are experiencing now, when there is great disruption, tragedy, uncertainty, and a need to reconstruct our society and most importantly, connect. Karen Elzear lives in Malden and is the founder and lead artist of Henna Inspired. She also founded and directs Integral Arts Everett. Driven to create using her own henna artistry, she also facilitates public art projects and programs. She feels compelled to uncover art that exists in the corners and hidden places of our society. Art for Karen is sometimes what she refers to as, quote, the wrecking ball that is needed to help people take action when things are not right. Interspersed in this podcast, you will hear excerpts of music from our growing collection of hashtag Songs of Comfort YouTube recordings recently shared to comfort us all in our collective time of need. This collection was initiated by cellist Yo-Yo Ma. Some of the excerpts were recorded separately, but shared as a virtual performance. Details about each excerpt is available in the podcast description or the podcast webpage, matv.org slash culture matters. Welcome to Culture Matters in Malden, Karen Elzear. I'm so happy to be speaking with you today. How are you? How are you faring during this time? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are you doing? When this all started started coming and, you know, all, when this all started coming to a head at the very beginning, um, I sent a newsletter out from Integral Arts um, basically saying that um, it's time. And for us artists, we have this unique capability to uplift people, to lift people up, to just comfort them and help them get through this. And no matter what it is we're feeling right now, it's time. It's time for all of us who are artists and consider ourselves arts professionals to pull out all the stops, to do what we do the best and with more ferocity than we've ever done it before, um, because it's necessary. Um, it's, you know, it's uh, sometimes people feel like and, you know, in this world where it just might feel like the arts aren't the most important thing we can be doing right now. Like it really, really has this powerful capacity to, you know, inspire our fellow humans and help them feel like they can keep going. Um, and this is, you know, these kinds of problems in our world take everyone. And, and the thing that we can do as artists is just remind people that they can keep going and we can help. One of the gifts that artists can bring then is to translate the energy into uh, 
creative output that other people respond to or that benefits uh, others or it expresses something that others oh, others can relate to. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think that's a huge part of it. And it also helps make us feel more connected in a world that suddenly we're staying home from our work. We can't go visit people. We can't, you know, we can't gather and, and do, you know, like do things together. And it also like kind of helps make us feel a little more connected. You know, like I'm, I'm a henna artist and uh, like primarily I, I, I wear a lot of hats, but primarily um, I'm a henna artist and um, you know, the nature of my work, like what I do is like, I hold someone's hand, I physically touch them, I give them a piece of artwork that I have conjured just for them that will never happen in another moment. Um, and I can't do any of those things right now. Um, but we figure it out, you know, like, <laughs> it's we, we, we find other ways to, to, you know, to connect with people's with with people. And even though we can't, really exactly sit in the same room or, you know, whatever, we can still kind of make art together and, and do things that, you know, lift each other up and make us feel connected. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little love. The idea for this hands project did kind of come about from like, wait, I'm a henna artist. And, and not only is it about the henna, it, it is about the time. You know, when I'm doing someone's henna, there's no one else. I sit and I talk to you and we, we connect and we, you know, there's nothing else that matters in the world. And I'm doing someone's henna and we listen to each other and we chat for, for a little bit. And, you know, it's this space for honoring connection and you know, love and empathy and these things and nothing else exists. And I was thinking about like, I can't do that right now, like at all. I've just kind of lost everything that, you know, that I do and, and the way I do it. And then I just thought, wait a minute, I think there is a way that I can hold someone's hand still and tell them that it's okay. We're just going to have to just figure it out. And I was just kind of thinking about like right now, like all the focus is on like, don't touch anything. Don't touch other people. You can't, you know, we can't hug each other. We can't shake hands, you know, and what we do, you wash your hands, keep them clean and don't touch your face. And, um, we've immediately transitioned to seeing our hands as only a thing that carries germs. And I think our hands do so much more than that. Yeah. It's this big, scary, like monster thing. And, and, um, and so I was just thinking about like, wow, before this happened, like, I didn't think of my hands that way. I didn't think of anyone else's hands that way. This is, this is the thing that you hold hands with someone else. We use our hands to dry people, dry each other's tears and, and, you know, play games and toss a ball back and forth and um, write and draw and play piano and do all these things with them that connect, you know, and create and console one another. Um, and I was also thinking as a henna artist, I don't get to make those kinds of connections with people. So I thought, what if people could um, just kind of trace around their own hand and send it to me and I would just print them all out and put them all in one place and connect them all together. So we would all still sort of be holding hands. Um, and I invited people to just kind of take their own tracing of their hand and just kind of write an uplifting encouraging message on it something that I think that maybe they think that everybody else might want to hear or someone else might need to hear 
Um, and so I've been getting these hands um, in from all across the country. I've gotten hands from Massachusetts and Rhode Island and Connecticut. I've gotten Ohio and Illinois and um, California and Colorado. Um, they're, yeah, they're, they've come in from every, Ohio's winning. If, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're definitely blowing Massachusetts out of the water. Like we have some work to do to come, to keep up with Ohio. Um, Are you getting any from Malden? <laughs> um, the only one that's on there from Malden is mine. Wow. So, so there you have it. <laughs> so the community stretches in the virtual sphere much, much more beyond where you're currently located. Yeah, yeah, it's really just like people from all over the country are finding this and they're finding it comforting and they're finding it necessary and they're they're sending me all kinds of cool encouraging messages, you know, like um uh, a little one just was clearly done by, you know, a, a school-aged child who just said, I'm giving you a high five. And it's like, that's cool. Andrew gave me a high five a few days ago. That's really awesome. That is so <laughs> um, fun. But, oh. yeah, I print them out on um, – I have this, like, skin tone paper. There's just a mix of different colors. And um, you don't really get to choose which one, your, which one yours prints out on. They're just all mixed up in my printer. And when I hit print for the batch that comes in for the day, they just come out. And, you know, I get, I get whatever. Like, here's, you know, some of the ones that I haven't added yet. Um, and everybody's artwork is so cool and so different and just so interesting. And, um, and yeah, and, like, people are just, you know, and – they're, they're just so uplifting and just so interesting and so cool to see what everybody has to say and has to write. And, you know, and this other woman sent me one from Colorado and she painted this beautiful watercolor. And then it, of course it came out on a dark brown paper. Um, <laughs> but um, I still love it. And I know that it was green beforehand and it's kind of printed in green on, on brown paper, but you know, like I know it's there. Um, <laughs> but she also sent me, um, this other email and she said, you know, I don't know if you want this or not, but we, w we had ordered pizza that day too. And she said, I was throwing the box. I went to throw the box out and I flipped it over and it had a picture of a hand on the bottom, on the bottom, just to kind of show you to like put your hand right in the middle. So you don't drop your pizza. And she's like, I took a picture of it because it also says balance in the middle of it. And so it's like, she's like, it has an encouraging message and everything. And I was like, I just spit out my coffee reading this email um i'm gonna print your pizza box hand too like <laughs> that is so funny well yeah. it's, it, it's so there's so many uh patterns and metaphors that come from this that i'm thinking about you're sort of um spontaneously inclusive from a race standpoint you know so the color doesn't matter like we are all human so whichever color it prints out on is whatever color it prints out on so that's one thing that came to my mind with yeah all and i could have printed them all out on white paper you know if people sent me ones that were in color but i just it felt weird you know and i had this colored paper from a different project or something that just kind of fell through and never happened and i was like you know what i'm using the hand paper for the hands um so that, yeah and um it just, even if it's the darker colored ones, like it, it, it still comes out. Like it's, it's not like it doesn't look as good on the dark paper. Like that's ridiculous. Um, mm -hmm. They all mm -hmm. print out and, and they all like the colors still show through and whatever. And, and um, yeah, it's still cool. are you 
finding a pattern in who's responding to this process project um, are they do they tend to be moms looking for things for the kids to do or are they artists or are they just regular people are there any men is it mostly women what's is there some sort of pattern um, no, it kind of just seems like all over the place. I've gotten a few families where it's like, you know, the parents and the kids and everybody in the household did one. Um, I've gotten some that, um, yeah, that just come from like two part uh, partners. Like um, I've gotten them from men and women, people of all ages. Um, like I said, all over the country too. Um, definitely all levels of artwork too. There are some people who are professional, who I, I would guess are professional artists. And then there's other people who are just like, no, I'm just writing my message here. And, um, and it's, it, you know, like there are so many people who are afraid to make artwork and afraid to add their submission because they feel like they're not a good artist or they're not a real artist, or it's just not, it's not going to be as good compared to, oh, there's probably professional artists submitting this. And, you know, like, this is the thing about this too, is like, um, I printed out on, on papers on the same kind of paper. So it has this cohesive whole, like no matter what yours looks like, like looking at the entire chain of it as one entity, you don't see that, oh, this one's better than that one or whatever. Like, I mean, yes, you can like zoom in and look closely at certain ones, but the, the essence of the entire project is, you, you know, you just see the connectiveness and you see the hands and none of the rest of it matters. an individual artist who does individual creations, uh, but at the same time, you're also um, a public artist. Uh, uh, you activate arts for other people, for the public to engage in. And then you're also, from what I've read about you and from what some other past projects, kind of a an activist of sorts, or you become one through your art. So there, these are very, like very different sort of strains of being an artist. So talk to me about those different pieces and how they, how your journey with that has has emerged. I think it's all kind of about entry points. Um, when I started, you know, when I started doing henna and I started doing these things for myself. Um, I just it, it kind of made me feel like. I, I wanted to create more entry points for other people. Um, and so like, um, I mean, and I mean, henna is also still sort of interactive because when you're done, you physically wear the artwork that I give you. It's, it's, it's not the same as, you know, like um, purchasing a, a painting or, you know, hanging a photograph on your wall or something like it's really, it's part of you. Um, it, that the dye physically sinks into your skin and becomes you know, it stains your skin and it's there until you shed those layers of skin away. Um, so it still is kind of, there's that element of connection there. 
Um, but the kind of public art that I do, um, I, I try to, like a lot of the stuff I do, I try to have some sort of participatory element to it, even if it's just, you know, something really simple, but like you know, this hands project is, um, is definitely participatory. Like I can't make it without other people's submissions. Um, it's not anything if I just do my own hand and just, you know, put it there. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it doesn't mean, you know, it, it I need other people to contribute to it. Um, and a lot of my artwork is kind of that way. I did, um, you know, the, uh, the project for Malden Reads, um, the influential books, where I built the giant book sculpture. It was like four feet tall or something like that. I, I never really measured it. I, it, felt, it felt enormous, though. Um, <laughs> and when people were invited to add um, book pages where they write, you know, their the title of their book and again like it looks cool but it's not finished mm -hmm. until everyone else adds theirs mm -hmm. um and it's kind of the same thing i kind of got started with this when i built the uh, wishing wall for everett um it was kind of this participatory thing. Um, I actually ended up making it as for a, a friend for a campaign event. We just thought it would be an interesting way for people to talk, to start conversations and talk about what they dream and what they wish for, for the city of Everett. Um, and it just could be this more meaningful thing where you write out what you wish for the city on this little piece of fabric and you dip it in the magic wishing well. And when you tie it on the, tie it on the wall, then the, the idea is the magic will be set free and that it will dry and, and, you know, maybe your wish will come true, but it was, um, pragmatically, it was supposed to be a conversation starter to get people talking about their hopes and dreams for the city and what they wanted. Um, and now it's just become this established thing in Everett that like any community event or whatever, of course has the wishing wall and people come there like, Oh good. Oh good. It's here. I have another wish for our city. Like I got to put it on there. Um, <laughs> That's so cool. It is, it is this beloved entity that just comes out <laughs> in Everett. Like whenever we get together, it's like, of course the wishing wall is going to be there. Um, you know, and for arts matter Malden, I did one similar, um, for, for Malden as well. Um, I didn't do it in the same way, but it was kind of the same, the same idea and whatever. And it was um, lovely. I hope to see it happen in the same way. Like anytime somebody wants to use it or wants to, you know, set it up for some sort of event or whatever, like I'm, I'm happy to facilitate that. It, um, I think it could, it would like having more wishes on it, I think. <laughs> first think of yourself as an artist what was the entry point there oh man <laughs> um I was always an artistic kid I was always like you know crafting things and making things and beading and embroidering and sewing and all these things that were definitely like above my age level you know I I embroidered these really intense like high level like um <clears throat> pillows and all these kinds of things that were just, you know, when I was in like third grade, I was just like, whatever, I'll just slog through the, in the instructions and, <laughs> and I'll just figure it out. But if you had asked me if, well, if I was an artist, I would have emphatically said no. 
Absolutely really? not. And, um, and even the whole time that I was teaching, and I, I was a classroom music teacher for like almost 10 years on and off. Um, and again, if, you know, people say, well, but you make artwork on the side or in between things. And, you know, I was just like, yeah, but I'm not an artist. Stop saying that. <laughs> um, I, man, I said that until, you know, surprisingly recently. <laughs> so um, what, what did you think an artist was? I don't know. No, just not me. <laughs> <laughs> Rembrandt maybe, or <laughs> I guess like, I don't know. <laughs> So funny. Um, and now, do you call yourself an artist? I mean, when you when you say about yourself that I'm an artist, does that feel right? Does that resonate? Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. And I understand that I had been for a long time. I just either was scared to admit it or didn't want to admit it or whatever. It was just that pushback of, of no, no, I know what an artist is and it's not me. Um, and what is it now? What is an artist? How would you define an artist? Um, I don't know. It's, it's someone who um, just takes the human experience and brings it to life in a different way, whether it's through music or body movement or, you know, spoken word or writing or dancing or drawing or, you know, like or graphic design or photography or something it's someone that's communicating you know the elements of what it's what it is to be human and what it is we think about and what it is we worry about and what it is we are afraid of and and what it is we love and what it is we do um and just kind of you know puts that in in a different way to help people think about it more what is the responsibility of an artist is there a responsibility for an artist I mean, I think it, it's, it's not just that it's our responsibility, but it's, it's my, like, I can't help it. I, I have to. And, and it can either come out in the form of this hand project or it can come out in the form of, yeah, I don't know, me just stress henning myself all week, <laughs> which has also been happening. Um, yeah, it's more of a compulsion thing. Like we, as artists, we have to we have to do this. So you started Integral Arts separate because there was no support for artists and there was no mechanism for initiatives to happen or for people to connect. Yeah, and there was really no community there either. Like yeah. I didn't even know that there, like I assumed that there were other artists in Everett, but it was like when I ended up having to move and I was moving to Malden, like so many of my friends were like, you, you, you can't move. Like you're, you are the arts in Everett. Like, it's just you, like we need you here. <laughs> and I was like, I, I assure you, I am not the only artist in Everett. I will find them and I'll prove it to you. Um, and there is a community. It just took one person to kind of bring them all together and everything. And now there's kind of this community of people who are, are connected with one another. And like, that's where sometimes great ideas and innovations and things come from. It's just by bringing people together and artists are great at that. You know, we can come up with all kinds of crazy ideas when you put a bunch of us in a room together. Artists, what we do is we solve problems and we solve problems in creative and strange and interesting ways, you know, and <laughs> in Everett, there wasn't any gallery space and there was no place to put artwork and whatever. And the way we solved that last year was we uh, hid artwork all over the city in a scavenger hunt. 
I think at the end of the day, there was maybe like 30 businesses and somewhere close to like 60 pieces of artwork. It was super fun. But also my goal was to draw attention to the fact that you got to work really hard to find arts in Everett. But I, I assure you, great art is there if you know where to look. I made that scavenger hunt difficult. <laughs> on purpose because I wanted people thinking about how hard they had to work to find good artwork and you know and in a sense it did work I put City Hall as a location for the scavenger hunt and then when I came around to pick up the artwork they were just like but we're gonna miss the artwork <laughs> where are you taking the artwork and I was like well the show's over and there's no other gallery space here so like I gotta give it back to the artist like this is what we agreed on and um and then they were like, well, what if we, you know, had a gallery space here and we could keep artwork here all the time on, on rotation and everything. And I was like, that sounds amazing. I can help you with that, you know? And they were really great to work with too. I mean, they were just honest and upfront to be like, look, I've never installed gallery stuff. Like, I don't even know what to order. We don't know what to get, like help us. <laughs> um, and they were fantastic. And, um, you know, we gave some great suggestions and it's, it's beautifully organized and, and really like well supported our very first opening celebration was you know packed it was packed in city hall you couldn't move in there there's so many people just excited that there's like an art space now in everett when there wasn't i wanted to touch on the very striking pages public art that you set up overnight one time in the boston common and there was a public statement. There was some activism in that in response to the detention centers that were caging up uh, families and young kids um, that became a story in the, in the news. And you responded to that with this public art. Talk about that and the fallout from that and the kind of the publicity you got and, uh, and, and what, did, what did that do to you personally in terms of um, the role art plays or your own role in making statements? Well, okay, so about the artwork itself. I built a set of internment camp cages and I placed them over top of the um, Make Way for Ducklings uh, sculpture in the public garden um, with Mrs. Mallard and all eight little baby ducklings, Jack, Cack, Lack, Mac, Knack, Whack, Pack, and Quack. Um, <laughs> yes, How I did know. you remember those? <laughs> and, um, and, and I placed, so I placed internment camp cages that I had built for their size, and I separated them from their mother. Um, and I, I gave them each the same kind of mylar blanket that um, is, is issued to children who are um, in detainment and concentra concentration camps um, now. Um, on the border. And um, I was just trying to make a statement that, you know, this is, you know, a, a, a beloved uh, piece of artwork in, you know, in the city of Boston. Everybody knows the story of the ducklings who were, you know, coming to Boston for looking for a better life. Um, and uh, I, I was just kind of thinking, like, if they were an immigrant family in this climate, like, this is exactly what we would be doing to them. Um, and I just like, yeah, I, as soon as I kind of had that image inside my mind, I just knew I had to do it. Um, and so um, I spent maybe six weeks or whatever, like making these cages. They're made out of PVC pipe and um, chicken wire and uh, spray paint. I spray painted the PVC pipe silver so it would, you know, look like um, the cage material. 
and um, yeah, so they were pretty lightweight, but they were enormous. Um, we drove two getaway cars and they still didn't fit in my friend's like enormous Volvo and my low Prius. And we each had two cages each in it. And then there was one strapped to her roof as well. <laughs> so um, we drove down to um, the public garden at maybe like 2 a.m. on, you know, a random summer night and just put them and, and said, okay, like this is, it'll, it'll, we'll see what happens here. Um, it was, it was a huge news story. Um, uh, it, it was covered like, um, not only local news, but definitely national news too by multiple outlets. Um, and I think it was also like part, part of the statement was like, I knew that, you know, the city would come and take it down pretty quickly, but also like that was also sort of part of the artwork and the piece itself. You know, it's so easy to free someone you've caged when you decide it's important. And, mm. you know, the city of Boston decided within hours that it was inappropriate for those beloved fictional baby ducklings to be caged. And so they took care of it. And the fact that we're not for real live children who've been in these facilities for a real long time is, you know, it, it says a lot more about us than I want to admit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, um, you know, I had a friend who was um, a journalist. And when I started getting involved um, politically, uh, when I first met him, <laughs> we were kind of going around the table and just saying who we are and, and what we do and everything. And I was, I was sitting in this meeting thinking like, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm doing, but okay. So it got to be my turn. And I, I introduced myself and I said, I'm an artist. And he just kind of stopped everything and said, oh man, we're going to get somewhere now. Like, we have, you know, we have people before, but we have the artists with us. And now, now we're going to get somewhere. And I didn't say anything and I didn't, I didn't understand what he meant. Um, and I just kind of like filed that statement away. And I thought, you know, I, I look forward to the day that I understand what this means, but for now I, I'm going to have to sit with it because I'm not sure that I understand. And then, you know, fast forward to less than a year later. Um, and I did that cage ducklings thing and I understood, like I understand now, like, you know, a journalist could write a thousand different stories about how that's wrong, but to see it in a single image, you know, we all chip away at these problems in our own way. We all do little things to help um, change these problems and change these issues. But sometimes the right piece of art is a wrecking ball. And you need the artists to bring the wrecking ball. Lord, we don't need another meadow. There are cornfields and wheat fields enough to grow. There are sunbeams and moonbeams enough to shine. Oh, listen, Lord, if you want to know.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Culture Matters in Malden. I wish you health and endurance during this trying time. This last musical excerpt, What the World Needs Now, is a virtual chorus and orchestra comprised of over 70 music students from all over, recorded by each musician separately from their own home, edited together into one heartfelt performance. Producer, arranger, and editor of this recording, Shelby Rassler, writes in the YouTube post with a heart emoji, quote, just a little something to brighten your day. What started as an idea on my flight home from college ended in a collaboration with some of the most incredible people. I couldn't be more grateful. Please share to help us promote positivity and optimism while we need it most. What the World Needs Now was composed by Bert Bacharach with lyrics by Hal David. Mix engineer was Dan Santiago of Berkeley College of Music. For details about the other musical excerpts, please refer to the Culture Matters webpage at matv.org slash culturematters. There you will also find recordings and information about other episodes. Follow us at Instagram at Culture Matters Malden. 